0: Hi there, and thank you for joining us for installment five of six in a mini series focused on showcasing the various types of business models that exist within Fibernew. I'm your humble host, Jesse Johnstone. At the time of this recording, Robert and Chelsea Pegram had just marked their first anniversary of being Fibernew franchise owners, and they couldn't be happier. In this conversation, you'll hear Robert and Chelsea's recap of what year one of business was like, what they learned along the way, and what they would suggest as advice for those either entering their first year of business or for those in their first year of business with Fibernew. We hope you enjoy listening in. It was a very insightful conversation. Cheers. All right. I'm super excited, as always, to be sitting down with Chelsea and Robert Pegram. Again, we've done a podcast conversation previous to this, talking about your lead up to the business and and your ultimate decision to come on board with Fibernew. But in this conversation, we want to capture the details and specifics on your first year of operation, because you've just nicely celebrated your one year mark. So congratulations on that. That's that's a big milestone for any entrepreneur. So way to go. Thank you. you. No, it's a big deal. We are very
1: excited
2: and super excited to be able to talk to you about this.
0: Let's talk about the lead up to training. So going back to July of 2021, you were transitioning from a previous business. You had a long care business and um, you were trying to make the switch into Fibernew. That's when you started talking about Fibernew, right? Essentially. Most
1: definitely. As soon as we, as soon as we fell in love um, with Fibernew and decided that's what we were going to do. I mean, we were telling everybody, you know, like I said, we, we, we got our van wrapped before we even got in training. We, you know, it had a previous business, so we had we had a large contact list. So we put email blast campaigns out, just being like, "Hey, we're closing our doors. You know, this is where we talk to, but this is what we're doing moving forward." And we did a couple campaigns where we we're just like, "Hey, fiber news coming to the area," type thing, you know.
2: And as we started to transition closer and closer to training, we made sure that our old clients were taken care of, but also yeah. that we were setting into motion with our friends and family. This is what's going to happen. And like Robert said, we had our van wrapped. So people started to notice that first. And as people asked about it, we didn't know a lot at the time. So we just kind of gave generic answers, but let them know to keep an eye out for us that big things were coming.
0: Perfect. So you started to build that energy behind building the business even before training, which mm-hmm. is which is fantastic. For people who wouldn't necessarily be transitioning from a a previous business, the takeaway I just heard from you is at minimum, talk to your friends and family about it beforehand, right? Most
2: definitely. And I think also, if you can, get your vehicle wrapped because that'll organically spark conversations. Like we were telling you before, we've had people at gas stations stop and ask about it, at swim meets with our kids, at the pool, just in the neighborhood where neighbors saw us and were like, what is this vehicle?
1: If if, if, I, if I could get four more, I would. We, we wrapped our private vehicle immediately. Um, we wrapped our commercial vehicle. Now we use both um, for our business. Yeah. And we're talking about getting a third and wrapping that one, making our new personal vehicle. We. we it's the conversation starter to let everybody know, hey, we're fiber now, and it's it's in it's in your face. But I'm on a apologetically myself, you know what I mean? So, so <laughs> the thing is, is it's we're, we're offering a service that helps people, so it, it really it's it's a win win. Like we, it very positive experience. Like we're parking it at our church. They actually the, the parkers at our church they actually have a spot they get us to park at up front. They know that so everybody sees my vehicle because they the fiber new spot really. In. And they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, they got a spot. They like, park us right in the front. <laughs> so, but it's like one parker anyways. He knows where we like to park, so.
0: <laughs> Love that. Love that. I also know you're members of BNI, so I imagine the conversation started in, in the networking group about Fibernew as well before training, well, right?
2: BNI was something that we actually decided to do after starting Fibernew, but okay. we always had it in our mind that we wanted to be a part of something like that because it is a good opportunity to network b2b versus going straight to consumers it's very co- commercial work is valuable and the only way to get into commercials you have to know somebody yeah. so that's a way to kind of help break those barriers B-
1: bni though has been has been has been, has been, a, been awesome it's I mean, been i'm not saying i've gotten a ton of work directly from bni it's that long game with bni and bni that's that's the thing about BNI. It's that building relationships. Now I got 17 salespeople out there that they have all different spheres of influences that they're influencing for me. They're keeping their ears out for me that, Hey, anybody needs this or that or the other, they know, Hey, call the fiber new guy. Um, and that's what my thing is, is my, my one minute presentation. I always end it with don't cry. Call the fiber new guy. You know what I mean? So they all know it. They all laugh about it and they say it with me. So <laughs> And then
0: your training, let's talk about from day one of training, that experience, um, you did it together. I remember you both being in class together. And
2: it was absolutely amazing opportunity because despite the situation with COVID and travel being limited, we were able to do the Zoom, which provided the opportunity for both of us to attend. Because we have four littles, it would have been that only one of us could have gone to training so with the Zoom opportunity, we could actually sit there and learn together and talk with everybody together. It was amazing. It was a lot,
1: but it was amazing. It was wonderful. <laughs> I, I wouldn't change the experience for nothing. I think that we learned a ton. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, trust the process is one of those key words in training. Um, because, like, when you get out of training, you're scared. But you just remember back to the stuff you do in training, it's just like you know, it's easy. Once you just trust the process and do the five-step process, you know, it's every time, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, (laughs) it was definitely, uh, like a fire hydrant drinking out of a fire hydrant, but it was great.
2: So much knowledge between everybody and learning all of that and trying just to retain it. I think that was the most exhausting weeks ever because it's just so much, but it was so worth it and not a single regret for training. Loved it every second of it.
0: And during a, a lunch run one day, you had a little incident. To, do, do you mind telling us about that?
2: Yes. So at lunch, we lived next to a Wendy's. I decided to go run out real quick and get us some lunch because we were starving. And on the way back, I saw lights in my rear view mirror, and it was a cop trying to pull me over. So I had no idea what I did wrong, and I was so nervous and so concerned Turns out all he wanted was a business card to get his license plate frame repaired. And it scared me to death. It was so crazy. I don't think I'll ever have something like that happen again in my life. And unfortunately, nothing became of it. We tried reaching out after training because we told him we're right in the middle of training. No clue what we're doing yet. But give me a couple of weeks. And. We never were able to get a hold of this client. So he scared me. And I now am very aware when cops are rolling around when I'm in my car. I remember that
0: being a a funny story, though, in the training room. Yes.
2: Yes, (laughs) that was I think that none of us are ever going to forget it. And I don't think I'll ever live it down that I got pulled over to have my business card.
1: (laughs) So,
0: yeah, that's it
2: was it was
0: fun. Nice. So you, you did the two weeks of training uh, successfully obviously and then you started your business shortly thereafter. So let's talk about all of that pre marketing and chatter you were doing about the business and what that meant for you after
1: training. How did those yeah. two go hand in First so first month of business we had a lot of business. I mean we had we had a lot of people contacting us and being like are you in business yet? Are you doing it yet or um, we had a lot, we have a neighbor that's really close by that did business in, in this area. So like there was a couple communications, like with like a, a one warranty client that gave us some work when we got out the gate. Um, and also there was, there was just a lot like in the pre-chatter for the first month, I say we had enough work that, we, you know, you, you got to get good before you can get fast. Right. So we had enough work that we really were, were busy. We're doing about one a day, one, at least about three or four a week, uh, a minimum. Um, and then after that, it started slowing down a little bit. Um, the, the initial hype. So we decided to pivot because um, we got into the part of month two where we weren't doing as much. Actually, we pretty much did nothing in month two. And then we were hitting the which gave us a great opportunity, though, to go A, to learn, B, to go out and actually hit the door to door. We were hitting all these different restaurants and uh, medical offices and just all sorts of people just getting out there in the community and just getting it out there. I was able to learn. I went in, for an insurance company, get trained and learn some furniture repair. And then I also got my IICRC certification, which is in upholstery cleaning all during that month. Okay. And since then that set my business up to explode. I mean, month three on, we just, we've just been regularly we setting goals, smashing those goals, setting goals, smashing those goals. And it's all with the skills that we learned in that time. Cause I say over half my business is furniture repair and, and upholstery cleaning, I would say two thirds of it. So like at least for like automotive cleaning out stains for insurance companies. Um,
2: Most of the furniture repair, upholstery cleaning, all that has turned into a way to open the doors for warranty companies because they don't want just the, I can do one thing. They want it where they call one person, you can do it all. And so we can now do 90% of what they want us to do. Mm -hmm. So they're more willing to work with us. And it's opened up a lot more opportunities for us in addition to the fiber new site. But this. that
1: initial gear up, like you were saying, it did help us at that gate to get work and get 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 moving. Yeah.
2: Help build up that confidence because that's the scariest part. Day one, I would, I, I on your own guess,
1: own. I guess the, the, the biggest lesson we learned was momentum, right? So like when that first gearing up tool, we had a lot of momentum because we were constantly advertising, constantly pushing and talking. During that month, we were scared. Okay. We were really scared. Like, you know, like we're touching people's live stuff here. Right. So like, so we're going through there and we were just doing the jobs that were given to us. We weren't 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 really pushing for more work. We weren't really trying. And then we had that month of dead. And that's what happens. Momentum, once the ball stops rolling, it, it doesn't want to get going again. So then we made a mental effort to change to go, what is our market asking for? It's not a fiber new problem. It's a us problem. So we decided to pivot and learn what our market wanted. And now that we're super busy, the first thing we do when we get home or first thing we think about constantly is, is are we marketing? Are we marketing? Are we pushing? Are we pushing? Because now the ball is rolling. We don't want to slow down. So we're constantly looking for that next meal because, you know, it's Fiber News uh, is a year round business. You know what I mean? So it's like you got to keep that ball rolling year round. If not, you will have a slow season. But if you don't, if you keep it moving, you're not going to have a slow season because I went right through the winter last year doing ton of revenue compared to when I got started. Because I was rolling, that the boulder got rolling. Now I have a bullet rolling really fast. So we're excited for this winter. So See what as happens. we say, you,
0: you got to stay hungry, right? That, yes. That's in the there is just don't don't start. Sorry, don't stop the business building and the marketing and the sales. Because mm-hmm. that, that initial explosion out of uh training, that initial energy, all that stuff, we hear that quite often. The the trick is to keep the wins in the sale, and that's exactly what you guys just described, isn't it? it is very much.
2: Trusting, like he said, trust the process. And even though it's very intimidating that first month to not let up off the gas, because that's your knee jerk reaction to say, oh, my God, stop.
1: Your your knee jerk reaction is to don't do that. Because I mean, most people that are doing this have never done anything like this before a day in their life. So, for me, it's like you want to get that anxiety, you want to get that build up, and you're just like, oh my goodness, like, don't call me. Cause if you call me, like, I got to do your job. Right. And then you realize you're telling people not to call you. And now they're not calling you. So, so like, you really don't have to it. like, you really have to like just never let up. I don't care if you're booked out three weeks, four weeks. Like, as soon as you let up, that's when they're going to let up. So.
0: Month one, two, three—you learned a lot in those first ninety days. As you said, the boulder started to to turn. The momentum was there. Let's talk about maybe the second quarter. So month, you know, four, five, six. Do you remember some of the stuff that was going on then?
1: Second second quarter, we we worked together on all those okay. jobs. Every single job we went out to. I would say in those periods we were doing at least two jobs a day. At least at least one to two jobs a day every 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 most days. Um, and I would say what we learned in that quarter was confidence, trusting the process and trusting our products, um, because that's the one thing that it's hard to do out the gate. So we got to run into a lot of things. I felt like every single day was a day that we've never done before. Um, I mean, even still now we do something once a week. That's just like, like a new, like a new talent that we weren't necessarily, you know, super confident in. There's just so much we can do in Fibonair. So like for us, it's like month, t- the second quarter was definitely, a. Uh, I I guess that was the season of building our confidence. Um, just getting out there and getting the work done, building our confidence. It's establishing what our identity was going to be. Um, because we didn't know what our identity was at that time. You know, we're still learning to this day, but like we were deciding, you know, what to say yes to what to say no to what to, what to, uh,
2: how to do a proper sales pitch. What's makes sense for us? Like you were saying, what's our person, what's our, what's our reputation? What is it we're wanting to build? What is it we're wanting to put out into the universe? And definitely like, especially for me, it was hundred percent confidence building because I'm very nervous person, especially with a new skill. So being able to get that confidence to go out on a repair and not just in our products and our processes, but in myself that I was trained well and that, I can do it. I don't need somebody to help me through it. I don't need to call anybody. I know how to do this. So just trust yourself that you can do it and it'll all work itself out. Cause at the end of the day, we say it throughout training. We say it all the time. I know a guy If something bad happens. I I can fix it. I know how to fix it. So just trust all of that.
0: And I imagine too, when you did the divide and conquer routine and, and you were splitting up more, was that just because there was more work to be done or?
1: So that was another pivot. That was another pivot. Cause you know, at that, at that time, about third quarter, we were looking at financially, you know, we were still, still not like in the green. Right. So we were just like, we were like, all right, what, what are we going to do to get the business to the next level? Um, can I do more sales? If I do more sales, I need to get out of the field. Um if uh, can she do more of this? Well, she needs to be able to do more of that. And we decided to look at ourselves and see where we are actually our strengths are. So like the the uh, general consensus is the guy should go out and do the work and the woman should, you know, sit in the office type thing, right? We decided ourselves, that's that's no good. We decided (laughs) instantly that what is our strengths and weaknesses? Let's not look at that. And it's not like get stuck in gender roles and stuff like that, right? Chelsea's strengths was restoration. She realized she was really good at the restoration work and she's really good at the color matching and she's really good at all those things. Well, same thing for me. I realized my strengths was the furniture repair. And we decided that we had a lot less furniture repair at the time. At the time, we had hardly none, Okay. Um, we were just getting out of working for this one insurance company that we didn't want to work for anymore. And so my insur- my warranty, my furniture repair was just dead in the waters. We decided at that point, I'm really good at sales. I love sales. I love talking to people. I love getting in front of people. So I decided I was going to full-time go into sales. I was just going to go out there and hit the road, uh, talk to businesses, um, just dominate and let her do what she does best. She, I'm a I'm a business owner. That's what I've always done. I've always been an entrepreneur by heart. She's more of an employee mindset. Like she, if you give her, you put her in a box and tell her what to do, she's phenomenal in that situation Mm -hmm. where me, my brain never shuts off. Like that's where I sit, my thing. So we decided to work to our strengths. So we were like, hey, Chelsea, this is what you do. This is what we do. That was the third quarter shift that we did. And later on, we decided well, once furniture repair started hitting, now we're both in the field nonstop, but, but
2: so it, that's it, what it, we put, it gave
1: it us next. the ability to be able to do more. So I can actually, as soon as that started happening, we as soon as we made that shift, I went right into furniture repair and I started getting a ton of it. And now Chelsea's doing restoration pretty much full time. I would say she's doing two to three a day at least now, and I'm doing two or three a day of furniture repair. So it's like it—it it gave us that ability to and that confidence to go two different directions. Um, I still can't do my sales the way I want to do them, unfortunately, because I'm in the field all the time. But we're working, we're in the green. That's a positive. Um, so within the first year hitting the green is pretty impressive for any business model. Um, and now we're
0: we're growing. We're,
1: we're growing and we're shifting. So we're constantly. That's our biggest thing is we're. We're always willing to make a shift, constantly filling out the market, looking at our goals, and and how are we going to get to that goal? How are we going to change to get to there? We're not just writing something on the board and revisiting it in a year. So
2: we're always looking, we're always adapting, we're always changing. And the final real big change we did in this one year was we both realized we're really bad at office work and follow up with clients. So we hired an office manager. So she does
1: that's fourth quarter. Yep.
2: Yep. That was fourth quarter. We brought her on and she has been game changing for us because that's what she loves to do is to organize and get our schedules together. She keeps us brutally honest. She's very on top of us, which is what we need. It's a very good checks and balance system between us three and with her, we're able to now start to build up and grow to the point where we're seeing it be, a potential in the next year to have employees put in place.
1: Yeah. So like what she was saying was like, we were realizing that we were really awesome and we sat down and actually get work. We can book out a full week of work and we could hit 5,000 that week. No problem. But the problem was is we're working that week and then we come after we're done with that week, we're so done and burnt out. We're, we're barely hitting a thousand the next couple of weeks. Cause we, we were just got so burnt out and so
0: exhausted and
1: putting work on the schedule now, when we have her in place, we went from not being able to afford her. Before we hired her, we couldn't afford her. Like, there was no <laughs> way. Um, but we just put it in place anyways and just trust the process. And we were just like, look, we can do it part-time, a couple hours a week, you know, type thing.
2: As we grow, we'll give you
1: more. More and more and more hours. And as soon as we hired her, we were instantly able to give her more hours. Now we're almost making her go full-time now because it's just like the It's just trusting that process and getting that rhythm, that ball rolling, right? And keeping that ball rolling because we keep pushing it and then doing our work and then it's starting to slow down and then we push it again. And and that was not good. We had to keep that ball going.
2: And that's what her role is to make sure that we don't let up off on the gas. She's taking off that pressure of follow-ups, of making sure quotes get out and all that good stuff. And we're able to just focus on what we need to do to keep everything moving in the right direction.
0: She keeps fanning that fire for you, keeping the oh, business yeah, open. And you know what? I, I have I yet to hear of an admin coming on board and it not working. Uh, we yeah. hear across the board that every time an admin is hired, they pay for themselves and then some, and you guys just validated that. Right. I mean, off the hop, it sounds like the effect that she's had on the business on your business, keeping things organized, scheduling, all that. It's a no brainer, isn't it?
2: Most definitely. I feel like, you want to do all these things first hire, but the first hire really should be somebody you trust in the office.
1: It's it's funny because we're looking at her now. We're going like, okay, we're training her and quoting and stuff like that now. So she, she's, we're calling her more of an office manager now versus in, in, an assistant in now. And right. it's almost like she needs an assistant. Like that it's that would almost confused. make it more money for us to make her have an assistant than have us have somebody in the field because it's just like, there's so much to that side of the business. The more she learns, the more she does, the more it takes off the us and allows us to do what we do. And that's go out and make tons of money, right? So that's <laughs> what we're trying to do is get out in the field and get repairs done because repairs are where the money's at. And that's one of those things where you could train people in the field and that's our next step. Um, but having that office side taken care of, it allows us to just do what we do and get out there and kill it. So- yeah.
0: Yeah, you guys are most valuable in your business when you're in revenue generating activities and that means being out in the field. So, most
2: definitely that's, and yeah, it's more you can do that. It also allows us the opportunity to do things that we love. So, that's the sales and for me the online marketing because without her doing that side of the things, we're stuck with all the monotony of what we find to be monotonous and we don't enjoy, which makes you burnt out. So, if you do what you love, you continue to do it instead of wanting just to sit down and go to sleep because you're just so tired at the end of the day. No, it's We're all in roles that we enjoy and that's what matters. She enjoys what she does and we enjoy what we do. So we're all in places to succeed.
0: Let's talk about goal setting and planning around that. And I want to start first with the concept of putting people in the right seats on the bus, so to speak. So a few minutes ago, you mentioned you guys did that amongst the two of you. Can you step us through that process? Did you intuitively know this is what we got to do? Did you sit down with a piece of paper and start, you know, uh, sketching it out? What was the exercise? How did you arrive at that decision? So
2: it's kind of a little bit of all the above because we were coming from a background of owning a business together already. So we kind of already understood where we sit at as far as our dynamic, but it was being brutally honest with yourself because you like to think, Oh, I could do it, but you need to actually sit down and be very honest and talk about it, write it down, do whatever you need to do to get it out in the universe of what your specific strengths are and be honest about what your weaknesses are. Like Robert said, he's very, he can think more abstractly. He is that entrepreneur by heart. He It comes to him a lot more naturally than me. I have learned to think like a business owner, but I'm much more structured. You give me a box, I love that box, and I will not leave that box. So it was very obvious from the beginning that I needed to be in a role that is a lot more structured. If you just give me a vague task, I'm going to take a million times longer at that vague task versus Robert. Where if you give me a very, this is what you need to do in this amount of time, get it done, I can do that. Where Robert is going to sit there and his brain's going to be going every which way instead of focusing on the task at hand. So we already kind of knew that. So we were able to break it down into, okay, so what do you want to do more specifically? And when it came to fiber new repairs, we both were pretty good at the repairs themselves. Mm-hmm. But the question was, who enjoys it more? And the color part, because that's kind of the finishing touches of how fast can we do the color? Because the quicker you are, the more repairs you can do in a day. Mm -hmm. And Robert can do the color. It's just it takes him a lot longer. So I'm more quicker at it. And I have learned how to do it without the color eye, which makes it even more quicker. So it made more practical sense for me to be in the position of restoration side of things where Robert is a lot more mechanical than I am. He's grown up using tools. His dad pretty much did all this stuff with him as a kid growing up. So it made a lot of sense as far as furniture repair for him to be on that side. Because without really even thinking about it, he knows how to measure out the wood. He knows how to use every single tool. It comes a lot more naturally and easily to him than it would for me. So it's all about what makes the most sense as far as time frame goes. Cause I could do it. It's just going to take me twice
0: as long.
1: I think the hardest part is being honest with yourself. Yes, being <laughs> honest with yourself and others, and not and not having that pride, You're setting aside your ego, right, and being like, "Look, like would I hire myself to do that task? Heck, no, I wouldn't hire myself to do that task. I'd be fired in a second, right?" And the same thing with Chelsea. We used to tell her all the time in the lawn care business, like, like we had her in the office all the time, and I was always like, "It's like if you were my wife, I'd probably fire you." <laughs> It's the truth. <laughs> and we would laugh about it it was a joke amongst us but it wasn't like a fight it was it was it was a joke it's because we knew it was because we, we both were bad at the office side we were always both bad at the office side like she's good at more like she could do like the task but when it comes to like the following up and stuff like that neither one of us is always our strong suit um so we so it was just one of those things where we have to be brutally honest with ourselves like it's one of those leadership moments you have to learn like you know put the right people on the right job because just because you don't enjoy something, you can have a job out there. I just heard the podcast recently that if you you would hate this opportunity, like you, everybody in your staff hates this one small task. Well, you can go hire a part-time person. That's like their dream job. And that is just to do that one task. And like, and then everybody's happy now because nobody's doing the task. they don't want to do anymore. Now that person actually loves that task. So it's to find the people that want to do it. And then we all enjoy ourselves now. We don't like have like, you know, for me, the idea of constantly going out there doing restoration, like the steps, the constantly stepping in the process for me, I, I want to get there, start ripping it apart. You know, I have to take photos. You don't know, want to get there, start ripping it apart and getting in there and going, Oh, there's a broken piece of wood. Let's cut that out, put a new one in and button it all back up again. Like, that's what I enjoy. There's no like steps to it. It's more along the lines of like, just get in there, get your hands dirty and be confident and then put it all back together somehow. And, hope it looks good. Right. That, that's what I'm better at. So.
2: And then even with Jenny, that's our office manager. Um, she She's actually family. And her big thing is that she in the past with jobs, wasn't able to have a good work-life balance. And with this particular job, you don't have to be in the office all day. You really don't have to be in any office. As long as you have access to technology, you can do it from wherever, and so she actually watches our kids and her kids all day while doing our office work. So she gets to make money while going out on these crazy adventures with the kids. Yeah. And she does a phenomenal job at balancing all of that. And she is in a place of just like, she's she loves on, it.
1: She's in her best life. Like she says all the time that she's wanting to be here for the next 20 years. Like if she can just keep doing what she's doing, as long as her bills are paid, she's just super excited because You know, in her last job, she didn't get to spend any time with her kids. And she felt really guilty about that. Now she gets to spend every waking moment with the kids. So it's like, for her, that's like her dream job. For us, it's like, for me, I'm just like, my kids are crazy. Okay? Like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for taking them out and letting their energy run wild. Because that's what she does. She goes to, we have the Yorktown beach over here. That's what she does all summer or the pool. Or just out on some random adventure. Going to bush
1: gardens and water country, like that's what she does. She loves it. She does it like every day. She's got another adventure planned for them every day. And then she's taking phone calls on the run. And then she sits down and she calls people back in the morning and in the evenings. And it, she takes them out throughout the day and puts them in the jobber. It's it's been wonderful.
2: It's the way she, when she first started, she was kind of concerned about that balance. And we said, as long as the job gets done, we don't care what you do in between. So it is a hundred percent been this amazing work-life balance. And like, it's been, it's and, been amazing. And it allows
1: us to offer our customers a better experience because yeah. our customers, we love what we do. All three of us love what we do and we're not going in there and not loving what we do. Um, so like our customers instantly can tell that when we walk in the house, like we love what we do. So they could, they see that too
0: everybody wins I mean it's yes. the best of both worlds for all three of you is what it sounds like and your kids because uh, I'm yeah. sure the kids have a good time too right I yeah, love it it's, yeah. <laughs> so, when
2: everybody's happy it trickles down not just to your customers and all the people but people who are close to you too we're yeah, all yeah. happy and the kids see that we're all living our best lives to say the least so
0: good for you guys yeah. that's great so just back on the on the planning it was a matter of taking stock being honest. There. figure out what you like, what you don't like, what you excel, what you don't excel at. Um pick the right people to do those jobs and the rest you delegate and make adjustments along the way. I mean it sounds like, you know, you've got future growth plans. These task lists will probably change going forward, but for now it sounds like everything is in its right place.
1: Always be willing to pivot. That's our that's our thing is we yeah. we have we have a yearly goal um, we 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 have a weekly goal to get to our yearly goal. We have a monthly goal. We have a daily goal. We know what we need to do daily in order to get to our weekly goal. We know okay. we need to make up for our daily goal to get to our monthly goal. And we know at our end of our year, we want X thing to be done. So we have weekly and monthly milestones to make sure we hit those things. Because it's not just going to happen automatically, yeah. right? And so that's the thing that it's for us. It's always constantly Having that as like a compass, you know, is to be like, okay, are we doing it right? Because we're ahead of schedule or are we doing it wrong? Because we're behind schedule. And so that's what we try to do. We have a realistic goal set, realistically, you know, weekly goals. And we realize, hey, we're crushing it. We need to turn it up. We don't need to sit back and just not turn it up because that's not our end goal. Our end goal is to be big. Yeah.
0: The the bar just is always moving, isn't it? Is, is what always. you're talking about. Yeah. Can we get specific on on some of these goals daily, weekly, monthly, (laughs) annually? Because I'm super curious how you plan that, how you talk about it. How how do you coordinate everything?
1: Uh, Currently (laughs) on our yearly goal. So from from August 1st now, to next year, August 1st, we want to do $150,000 in revenue. We know in order to do that, we have to hit $3,000 a week on average to hit that goal. right? So then we would take $3,000 and divide it by, let's just say we want to work five days a week we divide it by five or we realize that we now we're kind of going with the whole, we're still doing most of the estimates. So we're trying to divide it by four because we're still doing that fifth day as work. But in case we don't hit our daily goal, it's nice to have that extra day buffer in order to get there, to get to that weekly goal. Right. Um, So we realize we have other big goals too. Like another big goal we just hit was our 52 reviews, two weeks. That's one (laughs) review a week. Now we're looking to, to to bump that up, right? Because we're doing a lot more volume now than we did last year. So now we're looking to hit a total of 150 by the end of this year. So that'll be um, about, about 100 more reviews in, in, in a year. So that's about two a week. So now we know that we, we can measure our progress by looking at it on a daily basis. You know, we look at it, we go, hey, you know, we did we're doing 20 jobs a week we got to get at least we got to convince at least two of those people to give us a review. Right. So, like,
0: All you need yeah. is 10% of your customers. Right.
1: Right. And that's, that's why we did it. That's why we, that's why we bumped it up. Um, and, and we're looking at it and, you know, we, we got a goal of uh, we're trying to, we, we want to get into to like boat work this year, by the end of this year, we want to be able to start doing some boat reupholsteries. Um, and we're looking to expand our territory. So we're, we're looking at our, our goals for that too. Like we're constantly by the end of this year, we're going to have our expanded our territory expanded. Um, and we're working our daily, our daily repetition, weekly thing that we know it has to work towards our end goal of the year. Not just at the end of the year ago, did it get done? No, yeah, it's not you, you know, <laughs> <know. laughs> that's a bad way of doing it. Right. You have to actually check it weekly, check it monthly, check it daily. If you don't have, you know, you got to see what your big picture is or our five-year goals. We want to have a building in five years, right? And how are we going to do that? How are we going to get there? How many techs do we need to, you know, make it worth our while? And How many techs, when do we need to hire that first tech? We we got a goal for that. We need to be booked out for two weeks for 3,000 a piece, you know, 3,000 a week for, for two weeks. And then we'll go to try to hire that first tech to try to take off some of that burden, some of that load and make it where we can, Maybe not be booked out so far.
2: The best way to break it down is definitely with the reviews of how our minds work, because 150 total reviews is a lot of reviews. But saying we have 20 customers, we need only two people to say in a week, yes, we'll leave you a review and actually follow through and leave that review. But if that doesn't happen in one week, that's okay because then the next week you only need four and it's still a small and reasonable enough number. It's not, it's a little bit of a challenge because people in general, it's hard to get them to leave reviews no matter how many steps you take out of that process. But you can, you need to make it where we realized one a week we were able to do. And we actually did it in less than 52 weeks because we had a slower start with Google. So one a week was too easy. Two was difficult. Anything more than that being like would be out of reach almost. So we wanted to keep it, challenging, but not out of reach. Now, if something changes in the next month and people are just leaving us reviews like crazy, we might decide to bump that up and say, okay, maybe we should try to go for three reviews a week, but we'll see how that happens. Right now, we're trying to get the two.
0: And you do that for good reason, because you know the value of a review. Every single one that's left is uh, is exactly. money in your pocket almost, isn't it? As far as oh,
1: I look at every review as 150 bucks. That's the way I look at all my reviews. So if I can get a $150 tip by getting them to leave me a review, right? That's that's what it is to me. Um, because I get customers calling me. I mean, I would say four or five times a week that they don't even care what the price is. They just go, I saw your reviews on Google. I want to do business with you. And I'm like, well, sure, let's let's get it done. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's get let's get let's get your job done. But like it's it's giving me kind of like that halo effect, right? When people see me and they see my business and they see that we're growing so fast, other than the content, free content that it gives me, with all the reviews, I'm filling out words for me and keywords. But it's, for me, it's that I'm going in there and they're already expecting a five-star service. So all I got to do is just live up to the standard mm-hmm. and they're going to give me that review as well, because they found me with a view. So that's how I would lead to that conversation and be like, hey, you know, or you're happy with your work, or, you know, whatever. And then I'll look at him. I'd be like, well, you found me with a review. Can you, can you leave me a review? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's really important to me. And I'm a new business. It's got started. And I give him that little spill. Then I go, you know, it's how you found me. Can you, can you leave me a review? And the most of the time I have never had a customer say no. Okay. I mean, every they single customer I've no. ever talked to is like, oh yeah, no problem. Now, 80% of them ain't doing it, but, but, you know, it's that follow up. Right. So, I mean, I don't try bugging them. I might hit them up one time afterwards. But I mean, it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, it's, you it's not super cool. You, you not got have
2: Um, It's your reputation. It's the modern day yellow pages. Everybody finds you through Google and it happens to have a feature where you can leave your feedback. So the more positive feedback you have, like Robert said, the second we walk through the door, people are already expecting professionalism, high quality results and people who enjoy what they do. So the more that gets out there. It kind of helps when you run into a problematic customer who's expecting a little bit more, but they know that we're going to do the best of our abilities because what people have said. So it kind of helps if you ever run into a sticky situation.
0: Robert, I haven't seen a copy of your driver's license or birth certificate, but I'm pretty sure your middle name is sales guy.
2: <laughs> I think it
0: is. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about this a little bit. I want to talk about your actual process when you go in to introduce your business to business owners. How do you approach that? Uh, let's start with with the mindset. Let's start with the very practical: what you say, what you do, all that stuff. What are so, some tips you could offer?
1: So when I first walk in to any any place, first Fibernew gives you an amazing starter kit of like these little like handouts. Um, each handout has a specific industry, um, so I, I first start off with having that in my hand, having the exact handout that FiberNew gives you to give them. Um, I bring a business card and I bring a brochure, um, so that know I do other things as well. And then when I walk in there, I, I first person I go to the front desk, I instantly start, you know, being like, hey, my name is Robert. I'm the FiberNew guy. I'm, you know, I'm your local FiberNew guy. And I'd be like, you know... Who here, you know, I do leather, plastic, and vinyl restoration to kind of give them a little spill because they could be an automotive client. They could be a furniture client and down the road. I kind of just give them the normal, you know, elevator speech. Then I'd be like, who would be the best person to talk to? Can you point me in the right direction? And they usually hand me to a manager or whatnot, or sometimes they try to run me off. Big, big thing here is, is never take no from somebody who couldn't give you a yes. So if the secretary tries running you off because we already got a guy. I don't let that happen. I just stand there, kind of look at them, smile and go, well, that's fine. You know, I mean, your guy can do a lot of things and, you know, we can work together and, you know, but I guarantee you there's some things he can't do and I can offer you all some solutions. And and usually they kind of like had to brush me off or they're not here or whatnot. I'll, then I'll sometimes I'll just get their email, ask for their name and their contact information so I can follow up with them myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I get in front of the salesperson the person that actually that's the important person. Again, I give them my sales pitch. I'd be like, you know, hey, I'm Robert from Fiber New. We do leather, plastic, and vinyl restoration, depending on the industry. It's like cars. I'll be like, we can fix the cuts, tears, and burns. We can fix, you know, your, you know, your, your just fading, discoloration. We can, we can, we can save money and time by not having to reupholster, but we can also reupholster as well. And we can get you a fantastic deal on these covers because I always throw the fact that we have 300 Fiber News. I always say that. I mean, we have we have a big company backing us. So our buying power is large. So we can get you a great deal on parts that you can't get on your own. So for one, that's one big thing we offer you. I, I First thing, I always brag about how we have exclusive product line that you can't get anywhere else. Our stuff is guaranteed six months, months workmanship. It's what I offer my clients. And then, you know, it usually goes in the part of they, they sometimes will start showing me around the floor. Sometimes they try running me off. And I'd be like, well, tell me tell me something about the guy that you're working with now that you don't like. Um, is there anything I can help you with? I mean, I'm not saying I'm running this guy out of town, um, but I could tell you I can help you where you have deficiencies. And they'll be like, well, this guy can't do this. Well, my answer is always, yes, I can do that. Even if I can't, right? My, my first time I'd be like, oh yeah, let me take a look at it. Let's see what I can do. uh, I'm a problem solver. We'll figure this out together. And then I'll take a look and see whatever their issues are and be like, well, these are the solutions I have to come up with. They might not always like those solutions, but I have a solution for them. But sometimes it's, you know, reupholster or sometimes it's, you know, something that maybe they just haven't thought of like, let's just, let's let's just clean them, protect them or, you know, whatever. And nine times out of 10, that gets me a second phone call, at least. Um, If not, I'm the guy, if I really want to do business with somebody, I'm bringing them donuts. You know what I mean? Like next time I come around be like, Hey, I was in town and I, I was in this area. I'm bringing donuts to all my favorite clients. And here you go. Here's a box of donuts. I want to stop by. And that's what I do. I don't mess around. <laughs> and that's when they, they, they start, you know, if you go in there all the time, empty handed, what will happen is, is they start getting tired of seeing you right? if you bug in the same guy. So what I'll do is I'll bring the donuts around and they'll be like, Hey, the donut guy's here.
0: Right. Make an event of it, right? Brings yeah. Big-
1: yeah. I mean, it yeah. doesn't cost you nothing. I mean, what is it like eight bucks and you can get an amazing client um, or six bucks or whatever. I'd go bring them a half dozen donuts or a dozen donuts or whatever and be like, as hey, a swinging in to see if you need anything. And every single time I usually bring the donuts. So usually like, well, can you do this? And the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Even if it's not. And then, they, and, the, and then I'll give them a quote. And sometimes the answer would be yes. And then I'll look at it and be like, well, actually you're gonna to need to replace that or you need to do this right here. But you know, I can help you in other situations like this and I'd give them kind of a relevant idea of what we can do. And you find out what your competition can't do. Like I know the competition in my area, when they work on plastic, they can't do texture um, at all. Um, and so what they'll do is, is they turn down anything with texture. Well, that's what we do best, right? So I tell them all the time, my first thing I walk in there, now I know who the competition is, I'll go in there and be like, I know we guys are struggling with texturing and you know, plastics. We can take care of those for you. So let us take care of all your texturing issues on plastic. And that usually brings the door open to, wait, you can do that? Yeah, we can do that. We could take care of that for you. Why don't you give me an opportunity? If you got first next time, you give me a call and I'll, I'll knock off, you know, 20% and we'll take care of it for you. And uh, And then usually that always is how I get my foot in that door to get in there.
2: The big thing is for us that we found is transactional like you give me something, I give you something in return, isn't necessarily the best way to go about it. Some people, that's how they operate. That's the best way to, but most times it's being more relational that I am just a problem solver that I want to truly help you. I have something of value. Let me help you. And it's not so much about the money or anything else, but just, I can solve this issue. Please give me an opportunity to solve this issue.
0: I like what you said, Robert. I'm a I'm a problem solver. Let's figure this out together. So you're inviting them into the process to offer them a solution. I, I really like that approach. I think yeah. that's really smart. Yeah.
2: We're very big on no matter who the client is, whether it be commercial or private, that they're included in on the process. You know, to an extent, you know, they aren't doing the repair so, with us, but they do have an idea. So that in the future, they know how to prevent when further it, issues or how to address the issue. When it comes, when it comes to on.
1: residential clients, those are like my people. Like I get a lot of residential work. And for those people, some of the things I do is for them is I'm always educating. I go in there instantly and tell them what they have. Either they didn't ask. I'd be like, so I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but where did you where did you buy this from? And they'll be like, I just, I just wait to let them say what they're going to say it's polyurethane leather or something like that, right? And I walk in there and be like, hey, so why you, you have a polyurethane leather or you have this? And they'll go, oh, what? Or I knew it was something, you know what I mean? And I start ex- educating them and be like, and I'd be like, well, this is the problem with this type of leather. Um, you know, I tell them the differences of cloth versus the leather. I even tell them I'm like, look, if you buy a cloth piece that's You know, you can get a much better value out of a cloth piece than you can a leather piece because the leather costs so much. Now, a leather piece is going to be a piece that's going to last you a lifetime, 40 years, where this cloth piece might get you 10 years. But please don't go spend $3,000 on a leather couch. Like, just don't, please. Like, if you do that, you're going to be calling me constantly. I'd rather you be happy with a piece that's going to last you a longer, longer time. And you can call me on the back end for other things. Right. So I'm constantly educating them. And then I also offer a free service to my clients that if they go shopping for a piece of furniture, they can send me photos of it and I'll give them honest feedback um, and it's, it's free. And it, I, I've only had a couple take me up on that offer, but I offer it to everybody. And every single person, when I offer it to them, it's like, you can tell they instantly trust me. They instantly are like, this guy's not out to get me. This guy's not out to get my money. And usually that refers to referrals, lots of referrals. It's like, now I trust you. I can refer you to my, my 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 cousin, Sally. I can, you know what I mean? So
2: very, I think that's probably the biggest thing is that we're very quick to tell you the truth on what's going on. We're not gonna hide it. We don't wanna be insulting, so we're never gonna be rude about it, but we're gonna let you know what's going on. And if it's something that is an issue for you that you are not aware of, that in the future you can call us or just text us or anything, and we'll be more than happy to walk you through a process so that you know because at the end of the day, we're also consumers. We've also been through some of these processes prior to Fibernew that we wish we had known more. I think so. We understand that feeling of frustration that some of some. One people group have. of
1: people people forget to sell to is warranty clients. I mean, that's my biggest clients that I have outside of my other. I get a lot of repeat business from warranty clients. A lot of referrals from warranty clients. I, when I go in there, I take care of them. I let them know that hey, I'm third party. I'm Fibernew. I'm not this company. Um, I'm here to help you. So what are we going to do to get this fixed for you today? And I get them to build that trust with that client. That client's not paying you a dollar, right? So A, that person's easy to get a review out of because that's what they feel like they're paying you by doing a review for you. But B, it's another person to be like, these are the other services that we offer. You know, we do these things as well. I'm like, oh, can you take a look at my car real quick? You know how many times I've gotten that? Almost every time. Um, It's usually, look at my car. Can you look at my sighting? Or can you look at this? Can you look at this? Or... Do you do this? Yes. Well, I got a friend that needs this and I give them business cards, you know. And so I I I go in there, try to represent our business the best as possible. So that way, A, they have trust in us. Um, and I'm just trying to build raving fans. I'm just trying to build people out there that are going to promote my business.
0: Create your own network of salespeople, is, is the yeah. mantra, right? And that's exactly what you're doing. And and that's usually the best work to get too, isn't it? When someone contacts you and says, hey, so and so referred me because they had a good experience with you. Doesn't that feel good? It's oh, the yeah. best
2: feeling. It is yeah. so it's, nice to hear how people hear about you in the first place. But when you find out somebody referred you, it's it's a little extra special.
0: Yeah. And it really didn't cost you anything. It cost you a little bit of energy in how you help that refer out, right? That's it. It costs yeah. you
1: a niceness. That's right. <laughs> you know? just, just going a little extra, just a little extra, just being friendly. Just yeah. going in there and learning about them and, you know, just try to build that relationship with them, get that trust built up.
2: We're sitting in people's homes normally for an hour to two hours. I mean, at some point you're going to talk, just talk. You've learned a lot. Most people have interesting stories. We have interesting stories and you learn a lot about somebody and people rather do business with people who remind them of somebody they know or themselves versus just some random person who walked in and never said a word. that's kind of what we keep in the back of our mind is just to continue to make sure people know that it's people who work in the business, not some random. And it's not always robot. easy.
1: It's not always no. easy. Like there's been times, like I just recently went in the person's living room and I was like, if they didn't talk to me, I would be super happy. Like I am done. Like I am emotional. Like I am burnt out. Let me get this job done and get out of there. But as soon as they walk in the living room, it's putting my cape on. Right. And, and just being like, I'm the fiber new guy, a big old smile. And Hey, how's it going? You know, please don't talk to me. <laughs> Sometimes, but you know, but then they start talking to me and then it's like I feed off of that. That's how I get that's how I get energy, is off other people. So it's it's nice and it's it honestly makes me love my job more too. Being able to get to know people and and, and know their stories is it's better than just a paycheck, it's better than just a transaction. Now I feel like they're honestly good people out there that want to help my business. You know, I have a lot of clients that refer to me to other people. Um, I got neighborhoods in my areas that are really hard to get into. And once you get into them, they have like neighborhood bulletins and the neighbors are posting me on these bulletins. I'm not even asking them to, they're just like, Hey, can I post you on our neighborhood bulletin? And once you get on that, you get a (laughs) lot of business because they don't trust businesses that aren't on that bulletin.
2: Right. It's a, that's a huge part of our business in particular. There's a couple neighborhoods that are very difficult to get in that 90% of businesses don't get into because the community doesn't trust them. So right. we've been able to finally breach into there with a couple of really awesome clients. And with that, it's opened up a whole new world for us with clients that we never would and have dreamed of meeting in the past. Almost
1: all of them are warranty claims to get us in the door because you can't, they won't hire you. They don't know you um, because they, you're not on that bulletin, but a warranty claim, you have to go in there. And that's when you build that relationship and you, just be nice. And they realize that, Hey, you know, the fiber new guy is a good guy to be around. So good icebreaker.
2: It is yeah. very yeah. good icebreaker. Cause we aren't the bad guy coming in we're the problem solver. So as long as you have a smile on your face and you remind them that you're human, most times they're going to be nice to you too.
1: So
0: this race is a good point on working with warranty companies, because we, we have to be honest. Sometimes they don't pay what you would maybe expect to be paid. But what yeah. you're talking about is leveraging that experience to turn it into more. So in, in in this instance, it sounds like you say take any warranty work you can get off the hop, especially. I would right?
2: say if nothing else, give them a shot, right. because our original we had two original warranty companies we worked with at the very beginning of our business. Um, one of them we still work with. They're a car warranty company and they are phenomenal. They are absolutely amazing. They're fantastic. I absolutely <laughs> adore working with them. Um, the other client was not. They were less than ideal, but we realized something right from the beginning that they were going to be an opportunity for us to learn, which is where Robert learned furniture repair. And it's also an opportunity to build up a client list. So even though the company itself was less than ideal, they were not paying us anything, really. We actually ended up dropping them because it just became to the point of this isn't making any financial sense. And it was becoming more of a hassle than what it was actually worth. So we decided to drop them, but we learned a lot along the way. And we applied those lessons. And now with all the warranty companies that we work with, It's still the same way. As long as it makes sense, we're going to stay with you and learn the lessons we need to learn. And then if it no longer makes sense, then we have to move on. Right now, it's making sense.
1: So (laughs) the company that we were dealing with, they were subcontracting from warranty companies. So the warranty companies don't pay great. These people pay half that, right? So it was really low money. So I would recommend, yes. When I saw that, I saw the pay. I instantly was like, well, Mm. this is going to be a mutual relationship, right? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, but yeah, so it, it was It's going to be a mutual relationship. I'm going to look at this relationship as I'm going to build my business off the back of this company. We just went in there and I wasn't getting paid much, right? Let's just say, but I told you before, I view every Google review as 150 bucks. So if I can get a Google review off of, let's just say, a quarter of their clients, then I'm actually making more money than I would working for an insurance company. And I was getting off half because their clients, I was really not like happy with, you know, like, so I would go in there and be like, I'm on your side. I'm a fourth party company, right? So I am in here to be on your side. not And I'm a consumer too. And every single time they were always much way more willing to leave us a good review than, um, than anybody else. I mean, I, I, off of those people alone, I think I got about 40, of my about 30 of my reviews on me immediately. It was like, I, like one of those situations where I'm like, man, I wish I went back to work for that company again, you know, cause like I got so many reviews off of them. It wasn't about the money for them. For me, for them, it was hundred percent about the reviews, um, and build my client list. And I've actually done about 10 jobs with clients that I worked with, for, with that company since then on residential work. So
2: it's, it, it comes, book comes around, goes around, you know, and, um, The company was not ideal, but we learned a lot. We met some really cool people on the way. We've worked with a lot of them and a lot of them have our business cards sitting there. So even if they don't use us in this first couple of years, they have it there. Our information isn't changing anytime soon. So they have it and they probably know somebody and they'll hopefully refer us out. Mindset. Yes. yes. I want to
0: understand with you guys your mindset around business and life and how those two go hand in hand. I want to talk about drive. I want to talk about purpose. So this is a, a multi-pronged question, obviously, but let's start with the, the mindset. How would you describe yours?
2: We're a growth mindset. We're always learning, always growing, always adapting but we're always wanting to...
1: I'd say positive. For me, it's about being positivity. So for me, it's no matter what the situation is, is find the positive in everything. Like when I I had a client recently that just just got me, right? I mean, they didn't pay me anything that I was supposed to get paid on the job. And for me, it was awesome. Like I walked out of there just super happy because I was like, you know what? I've learned something, right? I learned something. I haven't done that before. It turned out amazing. Now I know I can do that. Like, you know, for me, it's just like
2: you got to find the positive positive in everything, because if you aren't positive, it's going it's um, what's that manifesting. You got to manifest that positive energy because otherwise it's going to breed toxicity.
1: Your I feel like is toxic. just like the ball rolling momentum. The same thing can happen with positivity. So like what's like what like wealthy franchisee it talks about constantly throughout the book about you know, having that mindset of being positive, about being, you know, open for change and open for, open for, you know, thinking about the bigger picture. You're you're just one cog in a bigger picture. You need to think with that bigger picture and constantly plug in and, and just soak it all up. As soon as you try to hermit back down and try to do this thing on my own and try to, you know, bootstrap this thing. You don't have to. You're a part of an awesome system. You're part of a system that does all the hard work for you on the backside. You can just do what you do best. And that just be positive. Like if you stay positive, I feel like that's, that's 80% of the battle.
2: Well, I mean, if you aren't positive, every day can become very tiring, can become very exhausting. I mean, truthfully, dealing directly with customers is exhausting. <laughs> and if you don't keep a positive mindset, you're only going to see the bad in the world. So if you continue to remind yourself of the good things throughout the day, you're going to see the good in the world. If you don't constantly actively remind yourself, though, human brains are programmed to go back to that negativity and you will fall into that. And then you're just going to be miserable throughout the day. And that's going to triple then to the rest of your business. And that will never grow your business. That'll never help anybody.
0: I love it. You guys exude positivity. So this is a very authentic answer. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about purpose now. What oh, okay. defines your purpose every day, every week, every month, every year? You're, you're running your or new
1: business. Why do you do it? So oh, that's awesome. for me, I, I actually truly get my, I really get my energy from people, right? And so being able to be in people's living room and get to know them and fix their stuff, um, it truly is a purpose of mine. Um, I truly enjoy it. I truly enjoy being that problem solver, being that guy that could do anything. My dad used to used to grow up and say you're a Pegram, you can do anything set your mind to, right? And and so like that was one of those things, right? Where like for me, it's like I can go in there and fix anything and do anything for these people. Like it, 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 it's going to be okay. Right. And also another purpose of mine is I want to be able to grow this business big enough and be good enough that my kids would be proud to be a part of it. Not that, you know, I'm making them be a part of it or, or whatever else. I want them to want to be a part of it. I want them to want to grow with the business and and have you know, their own territory one day, right? And, just, and they can call me up and be like, hey, you got any, you know, what's, what's going on with this, right? So I
2: think kind of to echo what Robert said, I think a big thing for me is our kids and I found a way to combine an old passion of mine with art and make it into a practical thing with the restoration and with Fiber New in general. And I really, my purpose is to show them that you don't have to, you know, give up anything. You can do what you love and you can make money doing what you love and kind of show them that you can do, you can do that. You can grow up and you can be a part of Fibernew. You can grow up and do something else, some other cool adventure, but just to have that um, that personal confidence in yourself and to trust yourself and to do these big things, these scary things. Because me personally, this is a big risk. Business in general is a huge risk. And without high risk, you can't get the high rewards. And we do want to grow this to be something that our kids can be proud of. And I hope that happens one day. And then again with the echoing with the problem solvers it's not just with the personal um, individual residential clients but in general in our area this is a big need where we don't have very many people who have the skill set and it's not a lot of people who do have the skill set are very honest about how to go about it and i want to bring that to our our community of honest business that helps solve problems and just to do it fairly where we can we can win but they can win too
0: somewhat related to purpose but let's talk about drive now so if there was a drive toward an ultimate pie in the sky vision of your business and life what what's what's pushing you there
1: well, for me, I want to be able to do everything leather, plastic, and vinyl. I mean, if it's leather, plastic, or vinyl, I'll be right there behind it. So we have this empire vision that we want to have, you know, a, Good you stuff. know, we want to have techs and we want to be able to offer it all. We want to be that one-stop shop that when you come to me for your boat tear, not only can I offer you a cheaper fix, both repair I can also offer you full reupholster. I can offer you this. I can offer you that. I wanna be everything you could think of in our markets. I wanna be the guy that does it. So everybody, we, you know, we wanna we wanna get big enough that we wanna offer people in our community great jobs um, where they can then not only support themselves, but also support the community. We want to do give backs with the community. We want to do events. Um, We want to do all, we want to, we want to truthfully want to give. So it takes a village to raise, you know, a family, especially, you know, four little rugrats and we want to make sure that we take care of our village. Is that, if that makes sense. It does. I love it. That pretty much
2: sums it up. I think what really drives us to that is his dad, my father-in-law because without him, we wouldn't even be able to have Fiber New in the first place and his trust in um, Robert throughout everything and his support and us and our young family. So that really, I think we're doing a lot of it to make sure we honor his legacy.
0: And you guys have the opportunity to, as you said, pass that down to your kids yes. and hopefully, hopefully that cycle continues, right? in other <laughs> generations of pagrams Yeah.
2: Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs>
0: So we covered a lot of ground in this conversation, but just as a bit of a recap, when we look at the first year of operation again for you guys, can you give us a bit of a, a play-by-play or the top highlights and learning moments from Q1 through to the end of your first year?
1: Yes. So Q1 for us, it was it was all about learning. Um, I would say that was the that was kind of like the goal and overall site of Q1 was is learning, um, pivoting, figuring out what our market wanted, figure out who we were. Um, Q2, it was about defining our roles and gaining confidence. Um, It was mostly about confidence, I would say. Um, Q3, that was really figuring out what our roles in the business is gonna be moving forward. And Q4, it was getting our office straight and moving forward with our office, um, getting that, you know, squared away um yeah I would say that's kind of the breakdown of our first year
0: and then if we could encapsulate goals for year two if we had this conversation a year from now what, what do you think we'll be talking about
1: so I would say we would talk about quarter one for us is going to be driving to get to that full time for both of us I mean we're really full time where we're both doing the two the two three thousand a week each um and then our next our next set is going to be, working towards that boat work, um, try to expand out in those other markets we, we, we have not really broke into the medical market or the RV market or the hospitality market. All three and, and the restaurants. we haven't done a single booth change out. Um, so these are huge markets that we haven't even hit yet. We haven't even dabbled in yet. So as we as we grow, those are the markets that we're going after next. I mean we've, we've kind of we, we kind of got a big hole on automotive and furniture. Um, so our next, our next year is going to be, we've done work in all these fields. We haven't done a booth change out yet, but we've done work everywhere else. Um, now we're just looking to we- get in the right doors, um, finding out whose door to knock on.
2: We've set in motion already a campaign to get into hopefully the medical and hospitality. We'll see what happens with you know, that.
1: We, we got we got a, a person that does the email mailers um, that has access to all the right people's you know emails. We're joining the Chamber of Commerce um, so we can do an email class campaign through that as well. So we're really working on B two B next year because this year it was all residential. Um, we did some B two B because I said I went, I said I did some sales door to door and got in, but we haven't had time. Um, time was kind of a factor because we're learning and doing so much this year. Our goal is to not only do the residential as well as we did before. We want to beat what we did last year, but it's really going to be getting a tech next year. We'll be talking about our, our, our our tech that we have working for us. And that's going to be our big goal is getting somebody to either taking over the furniture repairs, or is it going to be taking over restoration or, or both, but we get might get one each. And, and allow us to branch into those other fields, like the medical. We do have a, a meeting with actually one of our biggest hospitals. One of their clinics actually wants us to come in there and work on a clinic. So that might be our foot in the door to the big hospital.
0: Fingers so, crossed
1: on that yeah, one. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we, we <laughs> have been working and trying to bust into that commercial market. It's just, it's one of those things, right? So for me, my market has told me wide open arms for residential. I know people, i talked to other people and their market's all commercial, but we, we got the residential thing squared away. Now this year it's...
2: Commercial. And then our final big thing, hopefully next year we're talking about it, is the expansion of our territory. And oh, that's
1: happening this year for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's, that's no question about it.
2: That's the big final one because that'll solidify us getting into those very difficult neighborhoods that are amazing clients and a lot of potential with B2B as well up there. So those are the plans. <laughs>
0: I have no doubt you'll check every one of those off at the rate that you're going. So way to go, guys. I had a great time talking about uh, year one. Congrats on your first anniversary. And I have an idea. I think we're going to plot on the calendar a year from now so we can do a, a year two review together just Let's like this. Do do I'm down. I'm it down. It keeps us right. honest. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, guys, for your time and all of your insights and everything you're doing. We We love it all. So congratulations.
2: Thank Thank you. you. This
0: has been a lot of fun. Thanks again to Robert and Chelsea Pegram for taking time to share their story with us. Join us on the next and final installment of the Business Models mini-series, where we sit down with Anne Bennis of Fiber New Lincoln and talk about her owner-operator business model that she's realized much success with over the past number of years. Music on this episode, courtesy of Peter, Bjorn, and John, as well as Los Lobos. Until next time, take good care out there. Cheers.